People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 544. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And we're joined by one of our bays this week, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hey, guys. How's it going? Happy Good. To How be are here. you doing? Doing fantastic. Ready to be a part of uh, this amazing show. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for your support. We're excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? I am a lifelong Missourian. So I've lived in, my, in Missouri my entire life. Uh, sometimes not the best place to live. But I, uh, I recently changed jobs. So now I work for the nation's largest uh, provider of veterans uh, affair loans, VA loans. So I went from working retail sales uh, to doing uh, loan processing now and switched companies. And the company I work for now is takes really good care of its people. So awesome. the last six months have been quite a whirlwind. Yeah. And you told us you're happier at this new job. So we're going to talk to you about that later in today's episode. In fact, you've made several big, what I would call millennial moves in your life yes. recently. So I think it'll be interesting for everybody to hear about those. It might inspire some people as well. Yeah, so. that's I hopefully so, because sometimes it just you, you seem like you're kind of just lost in the dark, <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out how to get anywhere. But Somehow, if you stick with it, they turn out pretty well. Good. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you about that. Yeah. Sounds like you have a bit of a happy ending, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Who's your 2020 pick? Do you have one yet? I mean, the person I like the most is Buddha Judge. Uh, do you have a Boot Edge Edge shirt yet? I don't. I need to get one. Who do I think it's probably going to be right now? I would imagine Biden, just because older people still seem to have all of the power, unfortunately. <laughs> That's okay. They're going to die soon. It's I'm, fine. I'm hoping. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Except for the cool ones. The cool ones, they can take their time. What is maybe one of your top concerns for the 2020 election in terms of policy? I'm kind of tired of these really conservative kind of fascist policies that I mean, the Tea Party basically controls the Republican Party now. Mitch McConnell has been single handedly undermining our democracy for almost his entire uh, time in, in mm -hmm. the Senate. And then just uh, hearing about all these court appointments that are happening, it, it, it's kind of disheartening to know that even though culturally we're continuing to progress, uh, that politically we're still just being run by like these old kind of, you know, white often racist or just bigoted people who don't really care about people they don't know. Yeah. So just general concern about the direction of the country and, and the legacies that we have to live with. I think that's a really uh, good issue to have as sort of your mantelpiece for how you're going to vote in 2020. Yeah, mm -hmm. def definitely. It's like, guys, let's think about this. Let's think about the future. For sure. Not that hard. The reason we ask these questions is because the next debate is Wednesday, November 20th on NBC from Atlanta. Laura, are you going? No. <laughs> <laughs> did you even know this was happening in Atlanta? Yeah, I did. Okay. I've already uh, scheduled myself to work from home that day because the traffic is going to be a nightmare. Um, anytime a political figure is here, it just destroys the city. And Trump was mm -hmm. just here 
like a week and a half ago, and I don't think I can handle it again. So, oh yeah, wasn't our white president launching some blacks for Trump campaign oh. or something like that? <laughs> oh yeah, that was fucking priceless because he, they apparently had booked out the Mercedes Benz Stadium. I don't know what happened, but the whole press conference where he announced blacks for Trump. It sounded like there were 50 people in the room. Like, it was so <laughs> embarrassing. And then he's sitting there saying things like, "Do you, is it better if it's blacks for Trump or African-Americans for Trump? Which one do you like better? And I was just like, oh, oh my just God. wondering out loud. Sorry, I misspoke. I didn't uh, mean our white president. I meant our racist president launching <laughs> such a thing. Yes. But uh, 10 candidates at this Wednesday's debate... Biden, Booker, Buttigieg, Gabbard, Harris, Klobuchar, Sanders, Steyer, Warren, and Yang. I'm very much into this kind of stuff, but it really doesn't matter until after Super Tuesday. So mm. okay. I'm not paying that much attention to these debates because it's literally a clown car and it's frustrating. This is the second to last Dem debate of the decade. Second to last presidential debate of the decade. And as we approach the end of the decade, there have already been a lot of reflections on Twitter looking back at what you've accomplished over the decade. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, and this gives me much anxiety. Right? Why does <laughs> yeah. it bother you, Pam? I just think because, like, obviously, <laughs> I don't think that I haven't accomplished anything. But it feels like every time I see this, I'm put on the spot and I'm, like, racking my brain for something, you know, that I feel like. It, it, not just even to share, but just to justify to myself that I wasn't, you know, vegetarian <laughs> for 10 years. But it's like, I don't know. I just feel like it, it breeds an unhealthy idea that, that you need to, to do something huge to live up to all of these people that had big life events, um, you know, over the course of the past 10 years. And if you're struggling and you feel like you need to contribute to this conversation, just like don't put yourself through that much stress it's fine yeah, yeah I, I think it also sucks because what if somebody's last decade was marked by like horrible life events right yes for and some then people, you see people you know, being like, like oh i got a new job and i got married and i had a kid and then you're like everyone i love died right <laughs> right or like for some people it's like you know if they got out of bed that's a big deal but it, it wouldn't feel like a big deal comparison to all these people that are like i um got my second master's degree you know it's it's just, yeah. I saw a really sad one. Somebody I know here in Chicago. He said, it's hard for me to look at these because in the last decade, I've been diagnosed with HIV. I'm like, oh, fuck. That's rough. Wow. Yeah. So I would like to propose that no one be baited by this trend. It, it can feel good to brag about what you've accomplished over the past decade. But those of us who are consumed with self-doubt will read these things reflect on what they've done over the past 10 years and think to themselves, mm, maybe I haven't done that much. Or mm, maybe there was something really terrible that happened. And that just sucks. So I think everybody should just keep these. It's good to look back, I think. But I think everybody should just keep those reflections between their therapists and themselves or between you and your best friend in person, like at a bar, at home. Don't go boasting about it on social media doesn't feel right. Well, and there's also a way to talk about your milestones in a way that is meaningful and not in a way that is clickbaity. Yeah. yeah. I think it's pretty easy to suss out the difference between those two things. So that's what I would say. 
A couple of weeks ago, one of our listeners suggested that we start doing best of the decade segments, and we're going to start doing that, not this episode, but I thought it would be fun if today we declared some of the best of the decade categories we'll be discussing in the weeks ahead. TV show. Came into existence in the past 10 years? Yeah, or maybe, when was Breaking Bad? When What, what did it run that's, from? That's like this decade, yeah. That's, yeah, so I think as long as it maybe ended within the last decade or the majority of it was in the last decade it qualifies let's do majority because actually breaking bad started in 2008 okay um i'm gonna say best fuck up of the decade (laughs) (laughs) by like a particular person i i just think anything okay and best could mean a lot of things it could exactly so it's a wide category i'm also gonna say best internet controversy Ooh, and writing all these down and best scientific breakthrough. Nice. Scientific breakthrough. Something along um, Laura's lines of best internet controversy. I was going to say, like, maybe like best um, viral trend, you know, like Ooh, the yep. egg or what color is the dress? Mm-hmm. Oh, the dress. Love it. And Laurel versus Annie. That was Annie. huge. Yeah. I, you know, I know all of you are like, oh, she didn't say anything music related. It's purely to protect myself because I will go crazy. Trying to narrow that list down. No. Oh, but I was so hoping you would do a music one. (sighs) Fine. We can do music. You know, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm just, you know, going to drive myself crazy coming up with the perfect list. What do you want to do? Like best new artist, best Um, song? Yeah, best new artist would be good. Um, What about best album? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that I'm dreading. But yeah, best album would make (laughs) sense. Yeah, same. You two one-upped me. Um, I only had one category in mind. I'm going to have to get thinking a little more. Best tech advancement, whether it's hardware or software, what is something that came into existence in the past 10 years that has changed our lives? And maybe we can break that down between software or hardware, because there are plenty of options in both categories. I'm going to call it and say the womanizer. Like, hands the down. What was what that? Is, yeah, what is that? <laughs> it's a vibrator. Um, oh. <laughs> it came up on the I mean, show, I was didn't like, it? what is that? But I felt like I couldn't say it because it sounded like it was something geared towards women. It's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> the tip of something. No, no yeah, that, that is exactly it. I'm going to have to think of, like, a sex category. <laughs> our, our best fuck of the decade. <laughs> Be- our best threesome of the decade none of us will be able to answer that right, i, I was think. like well nope not this decade we all rush into threesomes at the end of the year <laughs> <laughs> load up tinder again wanted to just let you all know that we recently released a new breaking news for bay patrons at patreon.com slash millennial we discussed the first day of the televised impeachment hearings and we discussed disney plus so check that out over on patreon like i said it's available to Bay patrons. I want to offer a little update there. I think The Mandalorian is really good. This is the Star Wars live action show. Did you all watch episode two yet? Yeah. I haven't even watched episode one because I'm waiting for Mark. And he was like, oh, I want to wait for a few episodes to come out so I can binge them. Oh, no. I was like, that is not, They're that so is not the way like- that Disney intended. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Disney Plus wants us to enjoy this weekly and we should absolutely do that. I am also loving these weekly episode releases. I watch one episode and I am done. It is so refreshing. Oh my gosh. 
I don't think I can go back to binging entire series again. It is too much pressure. You have to throw away a weekend to do that. And I don't like it. Also, we want to remind everybody that we have a survey running now through the end of the week as we approach 2020 and season six. We want to know what you do and don't like about Millennial. So now through this Friday, we have a survey open in which you can sound off about the show. The survey is anonymous and will help us make the show and our Patreon as great as possible. So check out the show notes and our social media channels for a link. And thank you so much in advance for helping us out. We really appreciate it. We're going to be taking all the information, reviewing it, and about a week after the survey closes, we are going to be discussing it amongst ourselves and putting together season six. Cool. And we have a little bit of listener feedback from last week's episode. Sophie wrote in and said, just listen to your latest podcast and had a thought about your comments for the CGI James Dean. Your general opinion was this would be creepy. However, how would you feel if it became a norm and we started just casting really good actors that died into everyday movies? For example, Alan Rickman. Imagine if we had a new movie coming out starring Alan. Where would you draw the line as we develop technology and come into a new tech decade? And who would you want to resurrect for a movie? Sophie is talking about this like this is a good idea. And no, this isn't a good idea. (laughs) Alan Rickman or anybody else. I don't want any actor coming back from the dead and putting on another performance. Because like I said last week, what if they screw it up? What if they suck? It's going to tarnish that actor's image. The thing is, too, is like, it's not really Alan Rickman. Right. Right. So... I don't know. And I so uh, Sophie, I would say where I draw the line is the Rogue One example that we talked about last week. Like with Peter Cushing, that was a role he played when he was alive. And based on the timeline of where Rogue One took place being right before the start of A New Hope, it made sense for uh, the Tarkin character to be in that film. So for cases like that, I think it's fine. So would you want to see Alan Rickman reprise his role as Snape in a Harry Potter prequel? (laughs) Well, I think it's fine, but I don't think it's necessary. (laughs) I guess is what I would say. Also, if they did a Harry Potter prequel, Snape's going to be younger, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they would need to cast a younger actor anyway. Well, but if it's CGI Alan Rickman, that's okay. What did you think about uh, young Carrie Fisher being at the end of Rogue One 2? Yeah, that was interesting. Also because they wouldn't let her be the stand-in actor right? for that scene, which really ticked me off. That was okay to me because yeah. it was a five-second appearance. There was no way that they could make Carrie Fisher look like she was 17 again. Right. Right. So that, to me, makes sense. Didn't that, like, Lollapalooza a few years ago, didn't they have a Tupac? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hologram. hologram. Yeah. Yeah, they've been experimenting with this, and it really never goes over well. I think you can get away with it if it's very short, but if it's something like an entire movie or an entire concert performance, no, people aren't going to like that. Well, if you're feeling a little cold, our next sponsor is for you. (laughs) (laughs) FabFitFun's Winter Box is now available. Pam and I got ours a couple of weeks ago, and I think we can agree that this is hands down the best FabFitFun box we've gotten so far. What's so great about these boxes is they're customizable, so you can either choose to be surprised or do some personal curation of your own to get some of those seasonal must-haves. There's a lot that comes in the winter box, but some of my favorites are the Bandeau Bluetooth shower speaker, the Proof is in the Puddin' eyeshadow palette, 
and the Unhide Little Marshmallow Throw Blanket. It's so soft. Um, I am constantly fighting my dog for it because he likes soft things. Yeah, same. So it's soft and also very warm. So Canela is like constantly trying to make a nest out of it. And I'm like, no, you have like three beds. Go away. Right. That's mine. But you're right. It's the perfect blanket. I I love just feeling super cozy in the winter. And it's great as a throw while you're reading or maybe watching stuff on Disney Plus or binging on Netflix. It's great. And it's not super heavy, which is nice, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I love me a weighted blanket, but it's nice to have a lighter option. Yeah. And what's nice about this one, too, is that the Unhide brand creates likenesses of, like, animal furs without actually harming animals in the process. And this is, like, in terms of the texture and everything, it's pretty good. 100%. I don't know how they did it, but it feels super lush and really nice. Yeah, just goes to show that there's a way that you can have all these nicer things in life without harming animals. Or spending a lot of money. Yep, exactly. Um, I'm also in love with this Bluetooth shower speaker. I love to listen to podcasts when I'm in the shower, but it can be hard to hear audio well sometimes over the sound of the water. So now I can take my time and enjoy all my favorite true crime podcasts, but then low-key freak myself out that a murderer is going to rip back the shower curtain and Norman baits me. And the membership doesn't stop at the box. The FabFitFun membership includes access to the FabFitFun community forum where you can connect with other members for tips, tricks, and even product swaps. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. It retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over $200. Use our coupon code MILL for $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. That's your first box for $10 off when you use coupon code M-I-L-L at FabFitFun.com. You really can't go wrong here. Many of the items in the box have individual retail values higher than the cost of the box itself. It's so important to practice some self-care this winter, so treat yourself with the Warner Box today. As you two were just doing that ad, Pat delivered me something very special that I've never had before. Popeye's chicken sandwich? Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly it. The timing could not be any more perfect because I'm about to give everybody an update on a company close to my heart. (laughs) Only because I like the taste of their chicken sandwich, Chick-fil-A. They announced on Monday that they will no longer be donating to the Salvation Army and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. These two companies have anti-LGBT values. And this is a big deal because they've Chick-fil-A has had critics for years who have called Chick-fil-A anti-gay because of who they donate to, as well as their ties to the anti-LGBT organization Focus on the Family, and because the founder is anti-gay marriage. He's, he hasn't said he's anti-gay, but he is anti-gay marriage. This made headlines today. They will instead focus on donating to giving in the areas of education, homelessness, and hunger, and they plan to reassess that annually. So... They could start getting homophobic again. We'll see. (laughs) Some people are saying this is in response to Popeye's new (laughs) chicken sandwich, which they ran out of a few months ago. You guys might remember because apparently it was so popular. But people seem to love this sandwich. So they're thinking, oh, Chick-fil-A really has some competition now. But I call fucking bullshit on that. Chick-fil-A this year became the third largest 
fast food company in America, and they're open only six days a week. So no, they're having no problems with business right now. And wherever you stand on this issue, you may not think that this is enough for Chick-fil-A, just pulling back from these two charities. And that's fair, but it is pissing off conservatives that they announced this on Monday. And doesn't that make it worth it? Mike Huckabee, he tweeted today, in August 2012, I coordinated a national Chick-fil-A appreciation day after they were being bullied by militant hate groups. Millions, millions showed up. Today, Chick-fil-A betrayed, betrayed loyal customers for money. I regret believing they would stay true to convictions of founder Truett Cathy. What the fuck? They have only decided they're not going to donate to two businesses. Big freaking deal. Yeah, two two businesses that had hate group-like approaches towards LGBT people. Yeah, yeah who claim to be Christian organizations. Right. But- like, Give come on. me a break. Is this enough for Chick-fil-A, guys? Do you, do you, are you going to eat there now with a little less guilt or what? I think, I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. I'm not a big Chick-fil-A person, but to be fair, there's not really one by my house. So I have no horse in this race, but I'm happy for Andrew because this Thank is you so definitely much. something that's near and dear to his heart. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't eat chicken, so. Oh, right. Oh, I forgot that's about fair. that. Kind of don't have a lot of options. Their salads are good, though. Chick-fil-A now has fries. mac and cheese. It's good, too. I bet it is. Well, to celebrate this news, I'm going to take my very first bite of a Popeye's chicken sandwich. And I'll tell you right now, I'm already very excited because I see it comes with mayo on it. Unless Pat ordered that for me. Um, But I always put mayo on my Chick-fil-A sandwich. See, I will say that the few times I have eaten at Chick-fil-A, that's my favorite part because I don't like mayonnaise. So Mm I love that you can customize that chicken sandwich and like, you know, put a little honey mustard on there instead. That's lovely. Oh, this is really good. I hate to chew on air, but this is <laughs> this is nice, and this is really awesome. close to where I live. So I've had a few, and I have not been disappointed yet. So are you a Popeyes convert, Andrew? I think I'm going to have to be. Yeah, I can eat I'm there actually... without any guilt. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually having Popeyes for dinner tonight, so you've just made me very hungry. Okay, well, I'm going to sit here and continue eating the sandwich. That's all I have to say about Chick-fil-A. Pam, tell us about what's been going on with Taylor Swift. Oh, my gosh. You guys, this story is basically still developing. I won't be surprised if there's another update by the time this goes out, but we're just going to roll with what we know right now. So uh, over the summer, we actually talked about Taylor Swift because she was in a heated argument between herself and her ex-record label, Big Machine, who is now owned by Scooter Braun, manager to the music stars, uh, was owned by Scott Borchetta, who was the founder and is now acting CEO of the company. And basically, the TLDR there is that she was really upset about the fact that Braun had bought the company because she's had really bad experiences with him, uh, specifically kind of like harassing her, making fun of her online and stuff like that, according to Taylor Swift. Um, But the big reason why this is such a big deal is because when uh, Braun bought Big Machine. He also acquired the rights to all of Taylor Swift's back catalog. So everything from Reputation uh, Past, that's six albums worth of music, which Taylor Swift was not allowed to buy when she walked away from this company. And it sounds as though it's like nowhere near from over this whole situation because uh, Scooter and uh, Scott are continuing to kind of hold that over her head, according to a very lengthy letter that Taylor Swift posted on her social media accounts 
on Friday, she actually revealed to fans that she was in the process of working on her American Music Awards performance that's set to happen this coming weekend. And she's actually going to be honored with the Artist of the Decade Award. She wanted to perform a medley of her old and new hits, but uh, she says that Borchetta and Braun have actively moved to block her from doing so, uh, saying that performing those old, older songs that Big Machine has the rights to uh, are in violation of her ability to re-record her old music because they're going to be aired on television and then presumably streamed thereafter. She's not legally allowed to start re-recording her old music until November 2020. So that's where that deadline comes in. And on top of that, they're also apparently blocking the use of her old songs and also old performance footage from an upcoming Netflix documentary, which has been in the works for a few years. We actually didn't know about this before Taylor Swift dropped this bomb. So she announced that before an official announcement was made because she's clearly very upset about this and with good reason. Um, of course, Big Machine is denying this. They released their own statement saying that Taylor Swift has fabricated this narrative and like none of it is true. Uh, they also claimed that she owes them millions of dollars in multiple assets. Uh, that was something that was kind of coming out of left field because it was not really part of the discussion that she brought up. And then they also called her out for enlisting her fa fan base in a calculated manner that greatly affects the safety of company employees and their families. Uh, Taylor Swift's team didn't like this, so they replied back saying that Big Machine uh, was completely false in what they were saying in their statement and said that they were trying to deflect by making this about money when, in fact, an independent professional auditor has determined that Big Machine actually owes Taylor Swift $7.9 million of unpaid royalties. Um, and then they also said something really interesting, which is that in Big Machine's statement, they never actually denied the claims that Taylor Swift made on Friday in her post. So they did kind of say that she was like free to perform, but they never explicitly talked about the AMAs or the Netflix documentary, which kind of a little sus TVH. So uh, this is where the story was supposed to end. But as we were kind of doing the finishing touches on the discussion for today, turns out that Big Machine released another statement where they said that they were releasing the statement jointly with Dick Clark Productions, who was the company behind the AMAs. And according to the statement, they had reached a licensing agreement with the AMAs that would approve Taylor Swift to perform um, whatever songs she wanted during the AMAs and also for that performance to be streamed on platforms that Big Machine was okay with. So that sounds like it would be a kind of happy ending for now because she would be able to do what she wanted to do at the AMAs, even though there's obviously a lot of other stuff that's going on that's not okay. Uh, but it sounds like that might be a load of baloney because <laughs> Dick Clark Productions actually released a follow-up statement saying that they never agreed for uh, Big Machine to actually like release the statement jointly with them. So it sounds like oh they didn't talk Dick Clark Productions at all. And uh, Dick Clark Productions said that they had no more comments on the matter and that any deals that Big Machine wanted to make to okay the performance had to be done between Big Machine and Taylor Swift's team. So that's where we're at. And I know it's a lot, but hopefully that kind of helps give you a scope of what's going down because this has definitely been ruling the headlines for the entire weekend and also Thursday and Friday. I think you know it's really bad when Taylor Swift has to go public with all this dirt. Just kind of shocking to read her being this open and then 
having to announce the Netflix documentary this way, which I would really, I'm looking forward to seeing that now because Netflix had a Gaga documentary, what, two years ago ish? Mm -hmm. And that was really good. So I love these behind the scenes looks at artists. And Beyonce had Homecoming, which was kind of like a hybrid. Yeah, right. Of course. This is just like, I don't know. This is so messed up. Uh, I know a few of you listening tweeted at me to make sure that we were going to talk about this on the show. So I hope that that (laughs) uh, satiates your your appetite for this. Um, I, I think that my thoughts on the matter, honestly, are very similar to what I said earlier this year when news of all of this kind of first got drugged up. Um, I definitely, um, you know, I don't think that Taylor Swift would make something like this up. I I don't think that she, you know, I know they say that all press is good press, but like her album's already been out. There's nothing else for her to promote. I don't think that she's trying to invite more drama into her life. I am inclined to believe her when she says that, you know, they're really kind of milking the rights to her, uh, catalog for all that they're worth. And like, why wouldn't you, why would Scooter Braun by, you know, like the the rights to those masters, it it just makes the deal sweeter. Mm-hmm. Definitely an incentive for for Scooter to have bought the rights to the company earlier this year. So I'm still yeah. really looking forward to these re recordings that she does because we're going to get to see if she does anything differently with the songs. We're going to see how her performing has evolved over the years because some of these albums are old. And for her to have another shot at these is really exciting. What I'm, I guess, confused about, because I'm a little bit ignorant when it comes to this field, but how is she able to re-record songs that somebody else owns? Like, how is that okay? I think I mean, comes- obviously, she should be able to, because this is all fucked up. But I'm wondering why, uh, like, Scooter Braun isn't trying to stop her from doing that. I think it probably was in her original contract, which locked her into Big Machine for 12 years. So Mm. when she walked away um, and signed with Republic Records, which is who she's with now, that's what Lover, her latest album, was released on. Um, You know, she she knew that she would have to leave the masters behind. And then with this whole Scooter Braun thing, it just kind of made the idea of re-recording, re-releasing a lot more... I guess like it was it just started to look like a a much better option. And I know a lot of bigger artists were also kind of imploring Taylor to do this. Specifically, uh, Kelly Clarkson was a big advocator for this. I saw that. Yeah. So she she has stated that this is something she is going to do. But it is kind of sad, too, because, you know, I I think that um, I I think that, you know, it, it will be fun to see what she does. But. It's also nice to kind of look back and hear those songs in their original format. And unless you own those, you you know, you might feel a little guilty streaming them now. And this is like a really good example of some of the deals that these greener artists get locked into because they're just so desperate to make it. You know, you think that you're never going to get another opportunity like this. So so you sign away so many of your rights. And, And it is kind of easy for Taylor Swift in a way to say, oh, if somebody offers you a deal, like make sure that you get to keep the rights to your masters because Taylor Swift has many legs to stand on, but somebody that's just starting out that has no connections in the music industry might not be able to barter that right away. It's a reminder that the music industry is fucked because if Taylor can get in a mess like this, anybody can. 
you would think she'd be able to avoid all of this because she's Taylor Swift. She's got a lot of power. She's got smart people behind her. But even she is stuck. So it's a really sad comment on the Mm -hmm. state of the music industry. And she's also somebody who has like, isn't her dad her manager or lawyer or something? Yes. Yeah. So she has somebody who is sort of already entrenched in this industry and has a lot of know-how and she's still in the middle of this mess. Right. Yeah, this and isn't Brittany. She's got a tight team behind her. <laughs> That's so true. But it is really sad because she's basically, she has to resort to making these people feel guilty because of their public image for anything to get done. Mm-hmm. This story really has no end for now. The American Music Awards are airing on the 24th. So I guess we'll see what happens when Taylor Swift performs. Um, I doubt that she won't do a medley, just because I feel like it's in Big Machine's best public image to make sure that she's able to do that. Mm -hmm. But it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward and also what happens with this Netflix documentary that's apparently happening at some point now. Remember when I told you guys in Taylor Swift's concert special on Netflix, she like intros every song with this corny joke about the song. (laughs) She's going to do that at the AMAs. You know, everybody, (laughs) how people are really mean sometimes like Scooter Braun. Well, this is the song mean. Hit it, boys. (laughs) Do you think that we'll get a breakup song about Big Machine? Maybe. I dedicate this song to my latest ex, Scooter Braun. I hope I hope she throws Scooter under the bus. I think that'd be great on air. Yeah, he's an asshole. Sure seems like it. That guy used to be cool. I mean, he discovered Justin Bieber, right? And Justin Bieber is forever loyal because he's definitely not been quiet about speaking up in his defense. I'm happy to see the public destruction of the reputation of the person who brought us Justin Bieber. <laughs> God. I have liked some of his more recent work, I will say. All right. Well, speaking of (laughs) we have an edition of the Washington Minute for you all at home. This is where I try my damnedest to fit some of the top headlines out of our nation's capital into 60 seconds or less. Andrew, do you have the timer ready? I do. Whenever you're ready. Ambassador Marie Ivanovich testified amidst live witness intimidation from President Eric Cartman on Twitter and was the hero we needed, but not the one we deserved. Longtime Trump advisor and Nixon tattoo aficionado Roger Stone was convicted on seven counts, including witness tampering and lying to Congress and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Now he and Tricky Dick are finally going where they both belong. U.S. counselor to the embassy in Ukraine, David Holmes, will testify on Thursday that Ambassador Gordon Sondland told Trump that Ukraine's President Zelensky, quote, loves your ass and was prepared to proceed with an investigation into the Bidens. The Supreme Court has temporarily blocked a House subpoena of Trump's tax returns while the court decides whether or not they will take up Trump's appeal to protect his financial records. Here's hoping they stick with the lower court's ruling. And finally, President Trump made an unscheduled visit to Walter Reed Hospital this weekend for the alleged part one of his yearly physical exam. The White House denies anything unusual about the president's health, but we're all looking forward to episode two, The Big Mac Strikes Time. Back. All right. Boom. One minute on the dot. 0.85. Good job. 
Yeah, Thank I you. encourage everybody to look into this story about Trump going to the hospital all of a sudden over the weekend. It's very suspicious if you read the whole timeline and what the White House has been saying. It just it doesn't make sense. And I think something was up over the weekend. But of course, well, they're not going to say that because Trump is perfect. He's indestructible. He never gets sick. Did you see the the unnamed source from the hospital saying that it was chest pain? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have just pa- chest pains, too, if I were him right now. Yeah, I, I'm like, that could very well be a panic attack. <laughs> I, I would assume so. <laughs> I mean, also, let's be real. He's like an obese 70-something-year-old man who eats Big it's Macs like in the Mueller the report time. where yeah. it said that he was quoted as saying, oh, my God, I'm fucked. <laughs> my <laughs> life is, is over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's happening again this week. Yeah. It makes sense. It's it's really frustrating, though, how the White House is not more forthcoming with information about our president like this. So, it, okay, it's, these are the same people who said know, that he weighed two hundred and thirty pounds. I know, I know. It was, it was one still. pound under the uh, what the me- under medical what made him obese. obese. Yeah, the medical definition. <laughs> Didn't they fudge on his height too? Yeah. yeah, they they upped his height by a couple inches. Right. And I'm then the internet fat, was like very conspiracy tall. theory because Obama is this tall and you are shorter than Obama. The fake news media are using <laughs> lenses that add 50 pounds to what you see. I'm actually very slim and slender. I'm thinner than Obama. <laughs> Obama was the real fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Not living with Michelle, he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> what was her campaign? Get fit or no move. Yeah, the move. Can- and she mm, also had her own garden. Yeah, at the White House. What is that yeah. now? Like a little place for Trump to eat McDonald's on a daily basis? <laughs> I think they eat actually like, dug it up and put and did something else there. I'm not well, sure what. I believe you're yeah. right. Yeah, I believe that yeah. would happen. Anyway, it's time now for a word from our next sponsor. It's that time of year again. Time to share smiles and good times with friends and family. And of course, exchange gifts. How about you give yourself a gift? The gift of self-confidence. Maybe it's by having straighter, brighter teeth with help from Candid. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster and cheaper than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes just six months on average and costs 65% less. An experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. Then they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look after you're done. Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. There's no hassle of going to an orthodontist's office. Candid ships your aligners directly to you. Plus, in this season of giving, Candid donates $25 with each aligner purchased to Smile Train, who brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. Give yourself the gift of Candid. Go to CandidCO.com slash M-I-L-L and use code M-I-L-L to get $75 off. That's CandidCO.com slash M-I-L-L, code M-I-L-L, for $75 off. Again, CandidCO.com slash M-I-L-L, code M-I-L-L, as in your smile will look like a million bucks once you're done with Candid. All right, we have a note in the confessional. This reads, I've been happily married to my husband for several years, and we've been together for almost a decade. We still love each other deeply and are generally very happy in our marriage, but we haven't had sex in months. 
A few years ago, I was diagnosed with a chronic, serious illness, and my treatments left me with virtually no libido to speak of. I've had several surgeries over the last few years that left me with many noticeable physical scars and unable to perform certain acts. Even when we are intimate, it's completely different than it was before, and it feels like work, if I'm honest, to try and figure out how I can experience sex positively or semi-normally again. We're still physically affectionate in other ways, but I feel so incredibly guilty that this part of our relationship is lacking. He does absolutely nothing to make me feel this way and is constantly supportive. I've discussed this with my therapist, but there are so many other issues I've had to work through because of my sudden illness, so this hasn't been a top priority. My relationship with my husband is otherwise very strong, but some days I feel like the lack of sex makes us more friends than husband and wife. I'm terrified that the lack of physical intimacy will eventually drive him to seek intimacy elsewhere or end our marriage altogether. So it sounds like confessional writer that it's more the issue is that you have a lot of self-doubt here and insecurities. At least that seems to be part of the issue. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would start with trying to talk to him about this. Like, A, it's very good that you're already aware of this. I think in a lot Mm -hmm. of relationships, people are not aware that they've suddenly slipped into sexless marriages. And then the one person who still wants to have sex is like, hey, what the hell? This sucks. And they might not bring it up. But you, on the other hand, actually realize that there might be a problem. So I think you're already, you know, taking care of this in a big way. And then so maybe what you should do about it is talk to him and be like, hey, I'm aware that we haven't been having sex as often and I'm aware that this might be an issue in our re- in our relationship. Would you like me to try to do anything about it or um, what would you like to do about it? Should we go into couples therapy over this? Should I buy you a sex doll? What can I do? <laughs> can I get you a subscription to your favorite porn website? Yeah, I, I'm with Andrew. I think it's really good that you're self-aware here. It also sounds like your husband is aware. Just based on what you described in in what we read on the show, but also the portions that we didn't, it sounds like he's been very supportive. Also, this is due to a serious medical condition that you couldn't have predicted. It's not your fault. It's not even, I mean, not that it's ever anybody's fault when they don't feel like having sex, but it wasn't like this was a mental shift for you. This was a physical thing that caused your body to lose its libido. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that this is something you're working on in therapy, but I agree that it should be a topic of conversation with your partner because I think probably what you're going to find from that is that he's going to be just as supportive when you have that conversation as he's been about everything else. Well, and don't think that a lack of sex means that you can't have that, like that makes something wrong. But like mm-hmm. like you guys said, having open conversation about it and actively trying to work at it or come to a consensus of how you're going to deal with it, uh, maybe it's just a point in time where there's not going to be any sex. And who knows, maybe, maybe things will change, maybe they won't. But if everyone has a mutual understanding and there's that constant dialogue, then you can at least work at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, um, I don't want you to feel like not having sex um, sort of diminishes your marriage or that somehow not having sex 
makes you friends instead of husband and wife. Um, because the big difference between friendship and that next level is that at that level, you're partners, right? Mm -hmm. And partnerships are not necessarily dependent on sex or even the idea of like sexual intimacy and its more traditional forms. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like your husband is being a really good partner. And to me, that says your husband and wife. Yeah. Independent of the sex issue. I completely agree with that. Well, good luck, confessional writer. I, I think you're in a good position right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe give us an update if you don't mind at some point. And, you know, maybe just like jerk them off from time to time. That doesn't take much <laughs> sexual effort from you. You can just, you know, moan every couple okay, minutes. And- hey, hey, that can be very taxing on your forearm. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> And I'm just saying, like, we well, can just switch back and forth. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Sit behind them and use both hands. <laughs> less, <laughs> less work for both arms. The thing that makes me wonder here is that it sounds like this person's had several surgeries that pre- like present some limitations. Mm. Mm-hmm. So there may be certain sexual acts they can't partake in. All right. That's back all. to my real doll idea. <laughs> All right, so Ryan, let's talk with you about what's been going on in your life in recent years. So like I said at the top of the show, you've made several big millennial moves, as I call them, because I think a lot of millennials think about ideas like these, and maybe they don't act on them because they are big deals, and sometimes you just need a push, and for whatever reason, you did these things. So first of all, like you said at the top of the show, you recently switched jobs you weren't liking your previous job and then you found this new one tell us about the new job and why it's so much better and why you had to leave the old one yeah and you guys kind of talked about it a little bit last week uh how millennials are leaving jobs now due to mental health reasons Mm -hmm. uh it was kind of it was kind of the same for me uh i had actually i'd been trying to find just a different type of job i was in retail sales management for a big entertainment wireless company and ah. yeah and uh didn't really enjoy managing people and definitely do not like sales but the pay was really good and the benefits were good so i kind of stuck it out um but i, I did kind of get to the point where i started actively looking and i had something i had an opportunity come up but I made it to like the final round of interviews and they decided to go with someone who was local to the job, which would have been out in Denver. So when that didn't happen, uh, there's a company in Columbia, Missouri. It's like the third largest employer after University of Missouri and the hospital. So it's kind of a blue oasis in a sea of red in Missouri. But there's a company called uh, VU Veterans United and they process, they do loans for uh, veterans. And it's just got, it's always had this reputation of work, like everyone works hard, but they don't just say they appreciate their employees. They actually do things to show appreciation for their employees. So I took, That's great. yeah, I took about a 50% pay cut doing this. So <laughs> were you hesitating a lot because of that? Were that, you like, oh, that shit. was, yeah, that, that was very scary. Um, because I've also been living in my parents' basement for the last three years because I 
I took a promotion with my last job, uh, which took me to a new town. I had just gotten engaged. We moved there. Uh, it was too stressful, I guess, maybe, or like the relationship really suffered. So we ended up breaking up. And then I got a chance to move back or at least transfer back to Columbia. And my parents were like, hey, we know you just want to get back here. So you and your cats can just hang out in the basement. Uh, I think their plan was maybe like six months tops. Mm-hmm. But three years, <laughs> three years later, I uh, I'm still here. Um, Do your parents ever say like, "Hey, Ryan"? Uh, my dad does. My mom, <laughs> my mom would let me stay here forever. Aw, yeah. And th- is your dad like super serious about it? And how do you feel when he brings it up? Interesting, you asked that. Uh, it actually has been kind of a rough thing for me to cope with when he's been kind of serious about it, because uh, sometimes he does bring it up in a very serious manner, and he harkens back to, "This is how you know. This is how I was raised. Like uh, an adult shouldn't should be out on their own doing their own thing." And I would always mm-hmm. fight back. I'm like, "Well, you know, it's your and mom's fault. I exist, so." maybe uh maybe be a little bit more sensitive but we've kind of we've hashed it out a few times um Mm -hmm. but ultimately he hasn't like forced me out of here and they've been really helpful and i'm closing on a condo on wednesday oh hey that's big news thank you so uh they've been helpful with just like they're gonna they're gonna go and have these with me on the down payment, and then if I ever oh, nice. sell it, I just they get their cut first. Uh huh. So cool. I'm very fortunate to have parents who are very caring and have let me like live here and continue to support me. So very thankful about that. Mm-hmm. When your dad visits for the first time after closing, you you should be like, "Hey, Dad, can you go already? You've been here for too long." <laughs> yes, I will definitely do that. What you described is, I think, super common for millennials. I know mm-hmm. that it kind of reminds me of my own situation after I moved back from New York. I moved back in with my parents for a while so that I could save up for a down payment on my condo. Um, because unfortunately, rents are astronomical in the Atlanta area. And there would have been no way for me to save up that down payment otherwise. Yeah. So it sounds like we're both fortunate that we have very... Um, very cool parents. Yes. Not everybody's that lucky. Yeah, there's no way, especially changing jobs, there's no way I could have saved up this, you know, the amount of money I've saved up to be able mm-hmm. to do this. So it's 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 pretty great. Yeah. Cause when you when you think about what are our biggest monthly expenses besides student loans, it's probably going to be rent or a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And to not have that for a year six months, whatever, you can suddenly save so much money there. It's a pretty incredible opportunity, but it does come with the with problems like A, your parents trying to kick you out, which makes you feel like shit, or B, it's, there's a social stigma with that a lot of the time, so it can be hard to bring up to people. Um, and then C, just living with your parents. <laughs> Sometimes that can suck. On the other hand, there are super cool parents out there. But after I left L.A. when I was trying to figure out what my next move was going to be, um, I was living with my parents for a few months as well. And I, I appreciate that they opened the door for me. And, of course, they enjoyed having me back in part because I was so far away for so long. Laura, Pam, have you two ever been tempted to change careers or jobs for an easier lifestyle? I have. Have you done it? 
Yeah. So I was, I mean, when I was in New York, I was in grad school to go into higher education. And I found that experience so miserable. And I saw so many problems with our educational system. And being at the institution I was at, I was like, holy shit, all of these problems stop start at the top and they trickle down into the rest of it. And I was stressed, anxious, and just generally unhappy. And I was like, no, I don't think I can do this. Mm. So I left education. Mm. Yeah. It's a hard decision to make. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it really is. Because, you know, we're kind of humans are hardwired to not like uncertainty. And when you're leaving the familiar behind, it uh, is very stressful. Uh, but I, it, it's the best decision I've made in, I don't know, probably my adult life. And I'm, I'm 34 now. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like finally things are like life is enjoyable again, which Aww. is really nice. Yeah, I've thought about it, but it's just so hard to actually fathom going through with it because I really do enjoy what I do, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, I, and it's, yeah. So I don't think it's just like fear of change so much as this is what I want to do. So maybe I should just keep going with it. Cause I, it's just really hard to get back in once you take a break from journalism you, know, you right. got to keep those clips fresh. Uh, but I have definitely thought <laughs> about maybe cutting back to part time and, and doing something else. Um, it, it was it's really funny because I um, when the freelancing was not uh, popping off, you know, there, there's definitely like highs and lows uh, in that regard. I uh, took a part time job. I went back to a coffee shop, but I, I went into uh, specialty coffee or craft coffee. So it was definitely like more of a mom and pop situation, not a Starbucks. And like, man, it was so nice to have a steady paycheck. <laughs> and also you <laughs> mm-hmm. can really make bank doing that. And even just doing that, I was constantly contemplating over whether or not I wanted to to switch um, over to something else, because I don't think I would want to be in the service industry forever. But it was like, oh, if I can just make this with like tips and a really good paying coffee job, just like literally making lattes look pretty. Yeah. Then what could I do if I moved into something else, like even administrative um, yeah. work or, um, or public relations or something like that. So it definitely is like a thought that crosses my mind every sometimes, once in a while. Sometimes I think about it too, because I've been involved in online media for so long. I mean, really since I was 13 or 14 years old, if you're counting my first Harry Potter fan site, harrypottershouse.com, which was awesome. And I would go back to that <laughs> site. in <a> heart- <laughs> But sometimes I'm like, how great would it be to not have to get up and think about news or running a website? Because I do not know another life. But the problem is, and I guess this is where a lot of people run into an issue, is that you're like, well, I only know how to do one thing. So what the fuck else am I going to do? The other question is like, well, what can I do that I won't have to go back to school for? So you just feel stuck. And the one thing I have thought about doing, I don't know how serious I am about this. And if anybody would be interested in giving me some advice on this, I would love to hear it. I think it'd be cool to become a realtor because it seems like anybody can do it. There's also a lot of highs and lows in that career too. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm used to that part. So yeah, and I know, but like, um, and I, I hear it's like really expensive to start out. Mm. So you definitely have to like invest because I know somebody that did that. Uh, there was somebody I was working with at the coffee shop who, 
uh, decided to quit school and, and go to realtor school. And so he did that. And I think just to take the courses, it was $15,000 up front. And then even uh. after he finished that, he had to pay to um, to have a spot inside a realtor office because you're like an independent uh. contractor. And then you still have to pound the pavement and uh. find your own, like, not to like crush your dreams, but like realistically, <laughs> not as easy as it looks on like million dollar listing. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't think it was that easy but it seems like something you can actually learn online which was appealing to me 100 percent. well would you be doing it to supplement your current job or would oh, you I be no just clue okay i have no clue i okay I, another reason it appealed to me was because i'd actually be out of the house a lot and not here mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to do it here in chicago but like the desert of course so anyway, this isn't about me. <laughs> well, how, how, how would you feel about having to make yourself available 24-7? Yeah, right? That's a yeah. problem, too. My God, these realtors work all hours. So Yeah, and that was, that was another thing I left behind at uh, my previous employer was having to be on call all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Yeah. And actually, so speaking of that, you probably, because of that job, had a lot of anxiety. So what did you do about that? Yeah, I, uh, I've actually, I've kind of suffered from problems with anxiety most of my life. And then when I was like 19, got hit with depression pretty hard and just tried, you know, dealt with it and dealt with it. Uh, well, actually, I didn't deal with it, um, but I just kind of lived with it. And my actual, the, the day after I quit my last job, I took like three weeks off. But the day after I quit, I actually started taking Lexapro to uh to finally address it i was like all right i'm changing my life let's do yeah. like let's do this so and it worked yeah it's uh it's really helped with the anxiety like i i feel like getting older and kind of to something laura said about being confident kind of how you when you enter your 30s i couldn't agree more you kind of you find you you find your voice and you just as long as you're self-aware and not an asshole um in my opinion, then you're probably like a really good version of yourself and mm-hmm. being able to then supplement just that naturally occurring with something to deal with the anxiety has really just put me in like the best place I've been mentally in probably the last decade. That's great. So yeah, glad to hear awesome. that. Yeah. And I should have done it sooner. Uh, but I, I just, I finally just had an, on, an honest conversation with my, you know, my primary care provider and she was like well let's try this out and hmm. I said okay and it's been good it's uh four months it's been about four months now yeah, so you didn't see awesome. a psychiatrist I did not PCP. just my PCP okay. yeah yeah my I also take Lexapro and it was my primary care provider who got me on Lexapro because I'd been working with a psychiatrist and nothing was really working for me and he was like, you know, Lexapro's technically an antidepressant, but it's FDA approved for treating anxiety. Mm-hmm. So why don't we just try that? And <laughs> I've been on it ever since, coming up on four years. And it was a game changer for me. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad to hear, Ryan, that you were able to take that step because a lot of people struggle with that. That's like the hardest part. Yep. So thank like thank you for doing that but also thank you for sharing with us. Well, and I I do have to say you guys having open conversation about it and not you know actually talking and addressing mental health as it definitely helped inspire me to take that next step because I was I was my biggest hindrance 
and you guys right. just being and just being so upfront and honest about it like it really helped me push me to to finally make that decision so thank you i'm glad to hear that i mean me too i delayed it for a long time and you're mm-hmm. definitely paying it forward right now by sharing your experience so hopefully that'll push somebody else to take that step awesome and so with all this in mind you got a job that you're making less money but you're much happier in it uh you're on lexapro you're closing on a condo this week you said you're in your mid-30s you're 34 34 yeah we've heard that everything comes together when you're in your 30s are you feeling that way I'm uh I didn't feel that way for the the first three and a half years of my thirties. Okay. But uh yeah, I I feel like it is finally happening. My mother would always be like, the thirties were the best years of my life. And I hit like 30, 31, 32, and I'm like, Well, that's not the case for me. But uh I guess <laughs> patience has paid off and I I do feel like kind of all aspects of my life are finally coming together. I think, was it you, Laura? Maybe you were like, I heard that things come together in your 30s. Yeah, well, we had a little discussion about this and, and how we felt now versus how we felt, say, 10 years ago. And I had voiced that, are things necessarily better? Are they necessarily easier all the time? No, but I just feel better equipped to handle things now than I did when I was 20. I'm still waiting for things to get smoother in my 30s but i'm only six months into it so i'll wait till i'm 34 ryan you've inspired me again (laughs) just hang in there man hang in there (laughs) three and a half four years mid 30s are the best i bet for millennials 40 is going to be the new 30 oh that that gives me a lot more hope i could like (laughs) breathe now now i still have time time. oh andrew think about it average life expectancy has gone up Millennials totally got stunted coming into the economy, so most of us aren't even starting our careers until we're 30. But yep. that like, just means I have to save more for retirement if I'm going to live longer. <laughs> That's not yeah, you're like, we're probably going to work longer, so it'll all even out. Andrew's like, no, I want to die 10 years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think that that's why there's so many jokes like give me death jokes on the internet because we're all just thinking about how long we're gonna have to work. One of my friends put this up on Instagram and it was a tweet that said like, due to financial difficulties, I will be passing away. (laughs) Oh my god. I hope to die by 70 because I'm just planning my finances that way. Most people plan their finances around like life milestones. Nope. Andrew's like, I'm like, I know what day I'm going to die. (laughs) I'm going to run out of money on (laughs) May 25th. It's 69. He's just going to start spending. So you're going to die two days after your birthday? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to turn 70 and I'm going to give myself two days to say goodbye to everybody. Make sure I've edited all the podcasts that I've been to. (laughs) How thoughtful of you. Yeah. And then throw in the towel. Make sure Laura and Pam have the patreon access so they can take that over and then after that andrew's like fuck you guys i'm out i'm out all right well thanks ryan for sharing all that we really appreciate it thanks for your honesty and like laura said i think you've inspired some people tonight i hope that's the case and thank you guys for uh letting me share definitely absolutely so we're about to get to recommendations, but first, we are just about a month away from the holiday season, and you need to be thinking ahead about the cards you'll be sending out. Don't wait until the last minute. 
that's extra important for me this year because we're having Christmas Eve on December 22nd, which I am not happy about. But that's a story for another time. I want to help you take care of things early. Ladies, Ryan, have you started making your Christmas cards yet? I have yeah. not, but I will be using Vistaprint to make my yeah. card same. Yeah, me too. You better. You better. Because Vistaprint is where it is at. Nothing says I'm an adult quite like sending out holiday cards and bragging about how amazing your year was. For Ryan, he's going to write that he closed on a condo, left his parents' house went on Lexapro. So Vistaprint helps you do that. At Vistaprint, it's dead easy to make custom cards, calendars, and all kinds of amazing photo gifts. And of course, you want your photos in them. We may have hated taking those photos specifically for the holiday when we were kids. I know I did. That was like one of the worst moments of my November. But now as adults, we know they're meaningful and wonderful to receive. Here's how you do it at Vistaprint. You pick a shape like square or rounded corners, folded or flat, and then you choose one of Vistaprint's designs. They've got everything from fun and festive to gorgeous eye-catching looks. Next, you can put your favorite picture right there on most of the options, and you can even upload a great shot right from your phone. Then you just figure out how many cards you need and order them with plenty of time to spare. Satisfaction is guaranteed. If they're not perfect, Vistaprint will make it right with a reprint or refund. I've gotten a lot of stuff printed for both business and personal reasons over the years with Vistaprint, and I speak from experience when I say that when there's a problem, they will make it right. So this season, make more merry at vistaprint.com with up to 50% off all holiday cards and photo calendars, plus great deals on photo gifts at vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code MILL50. That's vistaprint.com, promo code MILL50. Offer expires January 5th, but I don't want you to wait that long because Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, they're just a little over a month away. So thank you, Vistaprint, for sponsoring this week's episode of Millennial. And get on those cards, people. I was actually just looking at their offerings. They're really beautiful. Yeah. Yes, they are. Time now for recommendations. Ryan, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I uh, This is one of my favorite TV shows. It had a short run back in from 2009 to 2010, uh, but has an amazing cast. Uh, it's called Party Down. I don't know if you've heard of Party Down. No. I haven't. What's it about? Adam it's Scott, right? Adam Scott, yeah. So it stars Adam Scott. It's also got uh, Martin Starr uh, from Silicon Valley now, uh, but Brian Hansen from Veronica Mars. It has Jane Lynch in the first season, Megan Mullally in the Ooh. second season, and then Ken Marino, and that's kind of the, the core group. And it's about struggling actors slash writers in Hollywood who work for a catering business called Party Down. It's a comedy. And each episode, there ended up only being, uh, I want to say, 20 episodes. Each episode is a catering event that they're doing. And mm. it is oh, that sounds cool. hilarious. And what is this on? It was on Stars back in the day. I'm seeing it on Hulu, too, it looks like. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the reruns. Because it, it finished airing already, right? Yeah, 2010, oh. it was done. Got <laughs> it, got it. Okay, cool. Well, we'll have to give that a binge. I would like to recommend the Popeye's chicken sandwich. Have you guys heard of this thing yet? I tried yes. one while recording. You're cheating. It is yeah. really good. That is, I did not recommend it while eating it. You said we I couldn't have, talk about anything said, yeah. we talked about on air, but then well, again, I guess I'm cheating this week too. <laughs> so well, I didn't know Pat it, was going to bring me the sandwich. I totally planned <laughs> on bringing it up. 
No, honestly, okay. I was trying to think of something. I, I, you know what? I have the throughout the week. I'm like, oh, I gotta recommend that on Millennial. Gotta recommend that. Gotta recommend that. And I don't write it down, and I just forget. And then Showtime comes, and I'm like, what do I recommend? So sorry, it's a cop out this week. I'm sorry, but I really mean it. This sandwich tastes great, and it has no guilt in the ingredients. I'm looking right now. I don't see guilt listed once. So it's not made with hate. No, not made with hate either. That's good. That is a good chicken sandwich. I can back that up. Yeah, I heard somebody got shot over one of those not long ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how good it is. It's how good it is, <laughs> but it's also just a sad commentary on yeah. food yeah, accessibility, on apparently. world that we live in. Yeah. Well, I would like to recommend um, just following these folks on Twitter or even just pulling up an article to read about them. Uh, Jamie Harrison, who is running against... Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Amy McGrath, who is running against Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. Um, Both these folks are very cool. I've enjoyed seeing interviews with them and just following them on Twitter. So I think it's good to be aware of some of the down ballot races that are going to be happening next year and not just thinking only about the presidential side of things. Hmm. Amy McGrath is awesome. I donated yep. to her campaign. I, I'm not familiar with Jamie Harrison, though. I will have to check him or her out. Him. Yeah. Him. Okay. He was on Bill Maher not too long ago. Hmm. Um, and that's where I first was like, oh, this guy seems cool. And then I did a little digging and he's running a really good campaign. And I think he might give Lindsey Graham a run for his money. So. Awesome. Wouldn't that be great? If both of them won, that would be glorious. I know. God, I'd be uh, so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and I recommend streaming Taylor Swift's The Man because it seems like a good week to do that. Yeah. That song is incredibly good. Yeah. Are you still she liking also did, um, like uh also recommend her Tiny Desk performance. NPR does the Tiny Desk series. And she played this acoustically, and it's just a really great way to really let the lyrics sink in because, you know, um, all of that flashy, catchy melody that's in the recorded album version just kind of gets stripped away, and it's just Taylor doing her thing on the guitar. A plus plus. Awesome. That's great. Ryan, thanks for coming on. Hope you had a great time today. We enjoyed having you on. Yeah, this was awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. And Thank you for all you do. Like it is very much appreciated, I think, by our entire community. So hey, well, thanks. Um, thank, thank you. No, we're uh, we're proud of you, and we appreciate your support over the years. And it was great having you on. If you would like to be like Ryan and have the opportunity to co-host Millennial one day, just visit Patreon.com/slash Millennial and pledge at the Bay level. I will say we're roughly about halfway through the co-host applications already. So um, within the next year, I think we'll be clean through them. So more people sign up, (laughs) not just at the Bay level, but also use that co-host application form because you will have a chance to make a uh, large appearance here on the show. No matter what level you donate at, you will be making a difference because it helps us run this show. And thank you for your support. You will get behind the scenes access. You will be able to tune into our live streams as we are recording, so you get the raw show. You will also be eligible for a surprise bitch, which we haven't gotten to for a while, so we'll need to do that next week. And you will also get access to our flagship benefit, After Dark. And what's coming up this week? So we have a few different things. Um, I have a personal anecdote slash story about the strange medical case of our family dog. 
Um, this has been a story that has been about a month and a half in the making, and it has been a complete emotional roller coaster. Mm. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, also turns out that a lot of us are mig- misdiagnosing ourselves by using the internet to look up symptoms. So we're going to share. Our- oh, yeah. <laughs> Our experiences of doing that, but also some data surrounding just the astronomical number of Americans who are turning to Google instead of going to the doctor. Oh, God. And then we're also going to talk about workplace harassment because there was recently some new data out uh, surrounding how millennials view this. So, a lot going on in After Dark today. It's going to be a roller coaster. And not only do we have a new breaking news available now, but we will be recording a new Landy in the next week or so. And there will be another Bay Hangout in the same amount of time. So a couple extra goodies coming to patrons in the next one or two weeks. If you would like to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. Millennialshow.com is where you can go. And then you can click on contact at the top. You can also email us directly. Our email address is millennialshow at gmail.com. And of course, on the website, we also have the confessional if you wish to submit something anonymously. And speaking of anonymous submissions, we do have our survey. It is open now. We would really appreciate if you took a few minutes to fill that out. It'll help us put together our plans for 2020. So thank you. And finally, follow us on social media, Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Ryan, why don't you pick today's closing song? Anything you've been listening to lately? There's Always Someone Cooler Than You by Ben Folds. Wow, that was a quick <laughs> choice. He was ready. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. I'm Pamela. And I'm Ryan. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye.